Well, take your Bible tonight and go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians in chapter number 10. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians and chapter number 10. And then we'll be in chapter 11. 1 Corinthians and chapter number 10. Uh, let me direct your attention. Uh, we'll start in verse number 13 just to try to catch a little bit of the context. <clears throat> As Paul is, um, he loves his church and really trying to help them uh, to get on the same page as the Lord. Don't we all need that? Just for God to help us to be on his page, not our own. And so that's really what he's doing here. And, and so um, they were really pushing the limits and they were crossing the line and needed to get back where they needed to be. Um, in fact, I have a note in my Bible. They left, God's, they left the premises of God's promise and put themselves in the place, uh, in the path, rather, of temptation. So they left, they left the premises of God's promises and put themselves in the path of temptation and, and succumbed to it. And so he's calling them back, calling them back. I'm glad we serve the God who calls us back, redeems us, and uh, brings us back. <clears throat> there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common... To man, But God is faithful, who <clears throat> will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly, dearly beloved, flee from idolatry, flee from idolatry. Only pride tells us that we can get close to sin. Flee from idolatry. It's not how close can you get. Rather, believer, it ought to be this. How far away can we get from that? Do you hear the shift there, the paradigm shift in our thinking? It's not how close can I get without sinning. How far away from sin can I get? You know, and not being legalistic. That's not what we're advocating here in any way. That's not what Paul was saying. But he's saying, listen, flee from idolatry. All right. Then he, he uses the Lord's Supper in, in an illustration because he's also building up to speak to them about the Lord's Supper. Verse 16, the, the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion, the fellowship? Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread, which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, he says, we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. He goes on, behold, Israel after the flesh, are, they, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What, what say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? And, and the answer is obviously no, it's just a piece of stone, it's just a piece of wood that is worshipped as though God. It's not anything but notice what he says in verse 20. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils, demonic beings, to devils, and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You cannot, notice this, verse 21. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's. I wanted you to see this. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of the devils. Everybody see that? There's the Lord's table and there's the devil's table. And, and, and as he's talking there, he's talking about idolatry. 
But he's saying these things on both sides are symbolic. The Lord's Supper is symbolic and the meat offered unto idols is symbolic. But what they both represent cannot be mixed together. Okay. All right, chapter 11. Not going to keep you standing uh, for the whole reading here. I'll just hit part of what we're going to cover. Verse 17 of chapter 11. Now, this, now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now, he's dealt with that. Notice, in fact, three different times he talks about coming together, coming together, coming together. Verse 20, and when you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So they needed some guidance there on their meal times of fellowship. We'll, we'll get to that. Look, notice verse 23. For I've received of the Lord that which... Also, I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in what? Remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in, again, he says, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this cup, eat this bread, I'm sorry, and drink this cup, ye do show, please notice this, ye do show the Lord's death. Notice this, this, this tells us that his death was not the end. You do show the Lord's death till he come. And then he gives warning about observing unworthily. And that's what we're here to consider uh, tonight. And so tonight, the title of the message is this, Gathered Around His Table. Gathered Around His Table, Proper Observance of the Bread and of the Cup. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. We're going to look at this together tonight. <clears throat> Each year as we have the theme for our annual, uh, for the year, this year is Into His Harvest. I, I first of all try to consider, can we consider the Lord's Supper through the lens of that theme? Just a, another way to reiterate the theme itself. And at the same time, to do justice to what we, what we need to cover. And, and I believe tonight we can do a little bit of both. You think about it, um, a harvest... Um, is a result of work that's been done. You know, we think about a harvest. Uh, many of you, no doubt, are getting ready to put out a garden. And uh, maybe you've already planted some things. And, and so uh, you've put that out. and You're looking forward to the harvest of it. So our theme this year, Into His Harvest, Gathered Around His Table. I, I thought about it. You know, we have the Feast of Passover, and so a lamb was raised to a certain point to be able to sacrifice then. I'm talking about at the Passover time. And, and then also the unleavened bread. Obviously, that's a result of the harvest. You follow me? 
That's a result of the harvest. It's unleavened bread. It's, it's bread, and so there was, it was harvested, and it was processed, and it was, it was prepared. And then also the cup. The cup is a, is a harvest of the, the grapes that were grown. And, and my grandparents had grapes, so I, I can understand this. We had grape juice. You had to drink it before a certain time, you know. Uh, but it was grape juice, all right? And that's what we observe. I, I believe that the Lord did not observe it with alcohol, uh, or wine. It was grape juice, unfermented. And so um, anyways, but both that is a result of the harvest. The bread and the cup are results of the harvest. But another reason I thought about our theme is this, because when I think about farming and I think about a, a family growing up on the farm, I think about a big family table, harvest time, and gathered around that family Table. There's actually a good missions film uh, called The Harvest. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's really worth your time. It's about 20 minutes long, and uh, it's a great missions uh, emphasis called The Harvest, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you, you could watch that online, no doubt. It's, it's really good. But one thing that draws me to it is that family gathered around the table, and they're there as a family unit, and they're, and they're talking, and they're laughing, and they're passing, you know, the mashed potatoes, and the, I hope you've already eaten, you know, a good lunch, and uh, but green beans, you know, that was raised right there and, and, uh, and all the other things, the fixings that they're passing, you know, and that family just gathered around the table. Hard work had passed. It was time to rest and, and rejoice in the harvest to do this, to give thanks, to give thanks for God's supply, to fellowship, to eat. This Tuesday night... We're gathering around what we could refer to as the Lord's table. Paul referred to it that way. We gather around the Lord's table as a church family to rejoice together in the blessings of God. In salvation that is through Jesus Christ. I want to be very clear here tonight. We are not rejoicing in our hard work or our labor. Because salvation is not our labor. Rejoicing in His finished work. We give thanks. Uh, this is not our normal meal time together, even as a church family. I think about the men's breakfast and <clears throat> how, uh, how that is, um, well, celebrated comes to mind. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but uh, yeah, you can celebrate bacon and, and sausage and eggs and all the fixings. And we do. And the ladies have a big luncheon and, and uh, decorate, you know, and make it a big deal. Because, I mean, women, you know, you get together, you got to decorate. And the men, we decorate it. Salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> right? And even red tablecloth this year. I mean, we, we kind of got out there. It wasn't uh, traditional white. So anyways, that's kind of our typical meal time, even as a church family. Uh, the Lord's Supper, though, is, is totally different. I know people that, uh, each of you that have grown up in church, I mean, you understand this, but I want you to put yourself tonight in the shoes of someone that has just recently trusted Christ as Savior. And this is the first time, I mean, the first time that they will have observed this with a church family. Um, so I, I want to try to explain that to everyone. Last week we did, the, we did a demonstration of a Passover, had the elements out here as to how the Jewish family would go through the Passover. If you notice, the, the full moon, that's a new moon. That's why, you know, things move with the Easter time and the Passover and such. 
Uh, so we did that. I, I feel very much like a rookie at trying to explain Passover, not being Jewish and having all that background. So I, I appreciate you trying to follow along and I hope it was helpful just to understand that when the Lord observed what we call the Lord's Supper, it was, it was truly the Passover. But after the bread was eaten and he, he broke the bread that second time, if you remember, there were four cups. And between the second and third cup, they would eat all the bread, all the unleavened bread was eaten. And then they would observe that third cup, which would be the cup of thanksgiving. And that cup was, it's aligned with the section in Exodus chapter six about I have redeemed you to myself. And so it was that third cup that Jesus observed with his disciples and saying, I am going to redeem you unto myself. And then watch this. He did not observe the fourth cup because the fourth cup in Jewish Passover is the cup of consummation when everything is finished. But he says, I will observe it with you when I come again. Okay, so it's highly significant. Someday I hope maybe to have uh, someone in here that does Jewish missions and they're, they're in that and, and they can demonstrate it. Those of you that have been at Southwest a long time, you would remember Brother Sam having someone in that, that taught about the Passover. So I think it's important for us even as, as well, I mean, just for, I mean, clarity for Gentile believers that are coming in on a Jewish feast to understand the historical background to that, that it was commemorating how that the Lord brought them out of Egypt bondage by the Passover. The lamb was slain. The blood was applied over the door. And when the, when the Lord passed over where the blood was applied, that family was safe. But where the blood was not applied, the firstborn of every home, regardless of, of their prestige or position or power from the slave to Pharaoh at the very top in the Egyptian society, perished the Passover. So Jesus takes that and heightens its significance. The Lord's table, gathered around his table. I've shared this with our church family before, um, but it illustrates where we're going tonight. Several years ago, we bought a new dining room table and, and so uh, the old table had served its purpose and now we brought in the new table, all right? So as we brought in the new table, the boys were much younger then, but the same rules still apply to this very day. And we went over those rules, uh, you know, uh, this, I'm sure every parent here knows what I'm talking about. The thou shalt and the thou shalt nots that comes with the new table. Thou shalt not scratch the table lest ye perish. Yeah, no, it wasn't that extreme. Okay. <laughs> but we have rules at the table. I remember, um, you know, that uh, I remember Trevor being pretty young. And we'd have a guest over, maybe, a, you know, a student or, or uh, somebody that's visiting Southwest or, or a member of the church. We'd have somebody over and, and he'd ask me, are you going to go over the rules? <laughs> aunt Becca came, his aunt Becca Logue came over. Dad, you going to go over the rules with Aunt Becca? <laughs> and so anyways, he got it. In other words, he, he, in fact, he said it this way. We have rules at this table. About a year ago, we renovated our kitchen and, and uh, designed an island that, that also develops into our family table. So we have a dining room table in the front room, and then we have, you know, just our family table. And, and so now we've got that, and so we still have rules at this table. Okay. We're talking about the Lord's Supper. 
We're talking about the Lord's table. If the old table served its purpose, the Passover, and there were rules at that table, you follow what I'm saying? It served its purpose. When Jesus broke bread and distributed the grape juice, now we're at the new table, then it only bears, it only stands to reason. If there were expectations at the old table, then there are expectations at the new table. And watch this. The significance of the event means that we need to be very particular in the way that we observe it. So tonight, you've got to do your part, and I've got to do my part with the Lord's help. Because just like when we get together and have a meal together, many of you are going to do that here uh, within the hour. You're going to leave here, and you're going to decide where you're going to go. And you're going to sit down at a table, and you're going to have fellowship because you're, you're in good relationship with one another. When we observe the Lord's table, what we're doing as a church family, we're, as best we know how, and I know we're, we're weak, frail human beings. Isn't that right? But we want to make sure that, Lord, everything's right here. And to the best of my knowledge, everything is right here. Because uh, I tell you, I'm, no, I'm just talking about like our family time. I tell you, when there's not unity at the table, it's because there's not unity in the living room. Are you following me? Or in the SUV or the minivan, whatever you drive. Okay. If there's not unity out there, there's not unity in the front yard or unity in the porch or unity wherever you are, probably not going to be unity at the table. So we need to deal with what's outside so that when we come to the table, things are right. Things are right. It symbolizes fellowship with God. Paul talks about it as an ordinance. It is an ordinance, which means then that it is something that is appointed. It's a tradition that is passed down. Pause for a moment to think about what we're, what we're going to do on Tuesday night as a church family. I'm going to get to why we, we're emphasizing church family. Um, but think about the significance of what we're about to do. We, we are about to observe... Obviously, in, in different ways, just because of cultural and, and, I, and you know, if you remember last week, I laid down here just to in, illustrate that they would have reclined at the table and observed it that way. So we understand there's some differences, but, but essentially, in terms of its meaning and its significance and all the elements, we're observing just like Jesus did with his first church. It's... It's something that has been passed down. And what we wanted to do, even as a family at our table, we wanted to make sure that those rules were passed down because of relationship that would be passed from one generation to the next. And so I feel, I feel a great burden, even as a pastor of our, our dear church here, to make sure that the way that we observe it is not just the way we've always done it. That's not it. But it's this, we want to observe it the way that he gave us to do it. To observe it so that then the next generation would understand and we would continue not just that tradition for the sake of tradition, but we would continue that ordinance because it's been given to us by the Lord God Almighty. Okay. So it is a local church ordinance. Baptism is a local church ordinance, just like the Lord's Supper. There, there are two church ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And so only the church that Jesus started has authority to do that. 
And so we're, we're very careful about that, very particular. Some would say that we're too rigid with it. I don't, I don't mind that, that label as long as we're doing it in obedience to the Lord. We're trying to honor Him. And so um, we observe it as a, as a church family. We do it on an off night so that, you know, it is just our church family that's here. Now, we have guests here tonight. We have guests here. We've had individuals, we've had pastors who have said, could we come and just watch? They're careful not to use the word observe. Okay, because we observe the Lord's Supper and that means we're partaking of the elements. They understand. I, I remember some and they would come and maybe stay in the balcony and they just watch our church family observe, understanding they're not to participate. Do you follow me? Because it's a, it's a church family time. Now, the Gaddis family table, I'm kind of interacting between these two. I hope you're following me. The Gaddis family table is open to people. Y'all come. <laughs> I'm not necessarily inviting everybody over tonight, Angie. I don't know. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> I meant to ask you about this before. <laughs> we, we love having people over. We do. But, but I'll be honest with you. There's also times we like it when it's just us. You know what I mean? And I don't think that's wrong. You know, we have our Christmas. We have, you know, our big Christmas with, you know, sides of the family, et cetera, et cetera. But then that, that Gaddis family Christmas. You know, we've got a tradition that we normally do and we go eat at Wingstop and then we come home. You know, I mean, that's just kind of our thing. I don't know what you do, but that's what we do. We, anyways, maybe giving too much information here, but it, that's it's just our, our family thing. That's what we like to do. And, and so that, that's, a, that's an intimate family time. I look at the Lord's Supper in that way. It's an intimate family time, you know. I, was just, I just happened to be um, driving. I don't normally even turn the radio on as I'm coming to church on a Sunday night just because I'm thinking about the message so much. But I, I just pray, Lord, would you help me to, to, to give me something here? And, and the individual is talking about parenting. And so it doesn't directly relate to this. But he, but he said this. He said that they would have some playtime with the kids in the neighborhood and they would all flood into the, you know, the yard and they'd have football or baseball. I, I kind of picked up on it late. I don't know exactly what they do. I just imagined in my mind maybe what they were doing. But all the neighborhood kids getting together and playing with their kids. Well, one of his kids came to him and said, Dad, you know, anytime we get to, get to have time with you, all the other kids of the neighborhood are here. Could it be possible for us just to have some time with you just as Dad? Wow, isn't that something? So he went to the neighborhood kids and they all came in, you know, play ball. And he said, you know, I'm going to, and he was kind of a little bit uh, concerned about explaining this. He said, uh, today, I believe their last name was Hardy. I don't even know who it was that was speaking, but he said, hey, there's going to be times when we have the Hardy playtime and then it's going to be the neighborhood playtime. And then all the kids said, that's great. Just let us know when the Hardy playtime's over and then we'll be back. <laughs> it didn't offend them. They understood the purpose of it. And that's very much like what we're doing here. Every church service is open to anybody in this community. We want people to come. We had a lot of guests here even this morning. Thank the Lord. What a blessing. I'm so glad. I, I love, but, but Tuesday night, listen, Tuesday night is not our outreach. Tuesday night, it's Southwest family. Southwest family. Because it's a local church ordinance. This do in remembrance of me. When we, when we hold in our hand and, and partake of that unleavened bread, we are remembering the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that was broken for us. It's distributed to each. Uh, you know, I notice in Scripture how that it, it emphasizes that He gave it to each of them and everybody received the same bread. 
It's not like one member of the church got more bread than another member. You follow me? We all get the same. Why? Because we all have received Jesus. Every saved, baptized member of Southwest Baptist Church equally has the Lord at work in their life. I think it's a beautiful picture. For clarity, and I realize the majority here would understand this very clearly. It is not a sacrament. It's not at all. It is symbolic. We are not literally eating the body of Jesus. Catholicism teaches that, but that's not what the Bible teaches. We don't, we don't take part of the Lord's Supper. We don't call it Mass. Okay, We're calling it the Lord's Supper. We're at the Lord's table, and we are remembering what He did. Catholicism teaches that you take this as part of your means of salvation, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The cup. It is symbolic. It does not teach that it becomes the actual blood of the Lord. It is just a picture. I have a picture of, of my family on my phone. I show it oftentimes every now and then when I'm introducing my, you know, my boys somewhere. I've got a few pictures of their silly faces on there. And I'll, I'll show it like I'm being serious. Like here's my son. And it's like a weird picture. They're thinking, hmm. <laughs> I just wonder how they're going to handle that one. You know what I mean? But they generally pull it off. They know it's just a funny picture. But, um, but nonetheless, I show them that's a picture of them. That's, that is my son. I could say, here's a picture. This is my son. This is not my son. He didn't feel that. Are you following me? It's just, a, sometimes I wish it would work that way, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's just a picture of my, of my son. It's just a picture of my wife. It's just a picture of my family. It's just a picture. The bread, the cup, they are strictly pictures. It's just a picture of our Lord's death. In fact, Jesus said, you show the Lord's death till he come. Unleavened bread. That means that we search the house, so to speak, for leaven. We want to make sure that we're right here and right here. Leaven is a picture of sin in the Bible. Not all the time, but most of the time it's a picture of sin. And, and so in the Passover, they would search the house for leaven. The father would lead the family and they would search the, the house for leaven to make sure all the leaven was out. And, and there was no leaven in the house because they were going to observe the Passover. And that, that is a symbol. And we can look at 1 Corinthians 5. It's also here in 1 Corinthians 10. It's in 1 Corinthians 11. How that, how that selfishness does not fit the observance of the Lord's sacrifice. Can you imagine coming to give thanks, bickering? It doesn't go together, does it? Coming to give thanks while um, holding on to secret sin. Can, can you get the sense of that? Let me deal with that here just a moment. All of us have sin in our past we wish we could change. Thank God for the blood that covers it all. There may be some here tonight that would say, I'm not worthy to partake of the Lord's Supper because of what I've done in the past. Listen, wait a minute. If, if you're, you're a saved, baptized member of this church, if the sin that is holding you back 
is a sin, listen, that's already been repented of and that by the blood of Jesus Christ has been forgiven and it's in your past that does not keep you from observing the Lord's Supper today. You say, there, but it's so hard to get past my past. Remember the broken body? Remember the blood that was shed for you. Remember, it's the Passover. It illustrates redemption, which means there was a great price paid for you to be free. Because honestly, if it was based on us being worthy to observe it, none of us would observe it. Everybody get that? Past sin, if dealt with by repentance and forgiveness, does not keep you from observance. Okay? Present sin. That was the problem in Corinth. Is this coming across clear? Paul said to them, some of you were adulterers, some of you were fornicators, some of you were homosexual, some of you were murderers, some of you, I mean, I'm in 1 Corinthians 6, some, such were some of you, but you're washed, you're justified, you're cleansed. Your past doesn't keep you. That was not the problem in Corinth. The problem in Corinth was this. They were saved, but they were still acting like they were lost. There was still sexual sin going on. There was still selfishness, strife. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Jesus. Party spirit that was in the church. Um, suing one another. First Corinthians 6, suing, I mean, taking the law one another. Animosity with one another, malice with one another, taunting of spiritual gifts and saying I'm more spiritual because I can. All that's in the church at Corinth. I mean, they were messed up. There was sexual sin in this church that they weren't dealing with. And, and they knew it and they weren't doing anything about it. There was no evidence of repentance. There was no repentance. In other words, it wasn't something that was in their past. It was something that was in their present and they were hanging on to it. And that's why Paul said, you're observing the Lord's Supper unworthily because you fight and you bicker at the table and, and there's strife and all these things that we've mentioned. And, and he says, these things are, are, ought not to be. And, and that is why some of you are sick or that is why some of you are weak and some of you even sleep. And, and he's talking about how that some had even died because they weren't taking the Lord and his work and his word and the, and, the, and the ordinance seriously, and they were holding on to present sin and trying to act like everything's okay. And that's why even in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, listen, you can't eat at the Lord's table and the devil's table. So I, I, I think as a church family, this is a really, a really, appropriate time for every individual 
to search your heart, to make sure that you're not living one way at church on Sunday and another way on Friday night or Monday morning. Because it's not right for you to come in and sing the Lord's praise in this service and the very next day sings the devil's song. You follow me? Is everybody listening to this? Everybody, young people, y'all listen to this? Is everybody getting this right here? I, I, I don't have every eye on me, so I'd sure like to. Everybody, everybody listen to this? I think this is very important. Every, every young person, every, every family here tonight. Because it does matter. It does matter. And I, I, I reflected back on my life, even as a young person, and I'm not sure that I totally embraced just how significant this was. Because I remember being a rebellious teenager, an early teen, doing my thing and still observing the Lord's Supper. I'm thankful God had mercy on me. And I just want to help you here tonight to search every room of your house, every room of your of your physical house. But how about we go internally and every, every bit of even some of those things that you don't want to even mention and deal with and just let the Lord do a real good search to see if there's any attitudes that are there that ought to be out or any form of entertainment that does not become a Christian or any words, thoughts, or actions or ill will towards others, or strife within a family, or between families, or between church members, this would be a really appropriate time to make sure there's not a present reason for you not to observe. And if there is, then I implore you tonight to really let the Lord work in the depths of your heart to get that right with Him and then with others. So then come Tuesday, you could observe properly. And it's not just for the sake of observance, but I mean, honestly, even if it were just for the sake of the observance, it'd be worth it. But it's bigger than that. It's about the life of a disciple that's following Him through local, the local church in which He placed you. We dealt with past, we dealt with present. You say, well, preacher, I, I don't know if I should observe because what if I get things right and then I mess up? Um, welcome to the club. <laughs> I don't mean that flippantly, but I, I mean, seriously, I, I can't allow what I might say or do to keep me from today serving the Lord. Because I've been through that. I know how miserable it is to say, God, I, I hate my sin. I hate what I'm doing. I don't want to do it again. And, and even to say to God, I'm never going to do that again. Has anybody else ever done that? Well, I mean, it sounds a lot like a Peter who would say, I'll never deny you. I'll never do that again and do it again. Okay. But, but watch this. Don't let your past keep you from serving Christ. But don't let the fear of the future keep you from serving Christ. Yeah. Deal with what you know today. Trust Him today and trust Him for tomorrow. And honor Him. Right doctrine, right practice.
I'm very excited for some that this is their first time to observe. Today we remember the home going of Brother Rick Switzer. Miss Jenny, the Johns here, God brought them together. 2012, 2012, missionary Rex Switzer uh, literally gave his life serving in South Sudan and Ethiopia. I think about uh, Brother Rex and I think about two, two things that come to, to mind that encompass a lot. Doctrine being very important. And a Christian life that lived it out. I'm sharing that because I just got a letter from Brother Jonathan Switzer. He sent out to all the churches. You know what's showing up in his life? Doctrine and a life that's living it out. And um, I got to tell you this story because, and this is by way of conclusion. Bradley and Brigitte, I'm not sure if that's how you say her name, or Bridget, Brigitte. Roman Catholics, listen to this, just shared this with the missions committee. Roman Catholics, growing up, Bradley began to study his Bible and began to see that what the Bible says is not what the Roman Catholic Church taught. And he forsook. Got into Pentecostalism, charismatic theology, Studied his Bible further, found out what's going on here is not what I see in the Bible. One step closer to truth. You follow me? Went online, found evangelical Christianity. Got a little bit closer. But then kept studying his Bible and found out that a lot of what's going on in the world of evangelicalism is not what's in the Bible. And then he found an independent fundamental Baptist online in South Africa. And this independent Baptist was not as close to Brad, where Bradley and his wife lived, but Jonathan Switzer lived closer, two and a half hours. So they came out of Catholicism, got into Pentecostalism, got into Evangelicalism, but then found the truth in the Bible, and the truth in the Bible led them to independent Baptist. That's pretty awesome. I'm thankful to be an independent Baptist. And then the truth there, the missionary shared with them, Jonathan Switzer is closer to you. Jonathan Switzer goes up, spends a couple hours speaking to them, presents the gospel in Afrikaans, leads both of them to Christ. They're saved and now being discipled. Why? Because doctrine matters, but so does a Christian life. And as we observe the Lord's Supper, it is a doctrinal matter and it's a Christian life matter. And we are to observe Tuesday night in line with the Lord and what He gave us. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to what He gave us and pass it on to the next generation. And, and then I want to be right with my church family. And I hope that's your prayer as well. Let's stand together here tonight. I appreciate your attention gathered around His table. Well, Lord, I certainly want to thank You for what you have handed down to us. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us to be faithful through the years to come. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us as a church family just to
properly prepared as best we know how. I pray for those that may be struggling with their past, that that would not hinder them. I pray for those that have present sin in their life that they need to forsake. I pray that you'd give them that deliverance and help. Dear Lord, that we might be in communion with you and thus properly observe what we know to be the Lord's Supper. I thank you for our church family. I thank you for the unity that does exist here. I know, dear God, that we are not a perfect church, but I'm thankful, Lord, that you've brought us together. And I pray that you'd help the unity just to grow by us getting closer to you. Lord, you brought us through some things here recently. You've brought us through some things this last year. We want to thank you. God, I want to thank you for people that have come back to you over this last year. I want to thank you that you've helped them to get some things right with you. They're back in church tonight. It, it just thrills my soul, dear God, that that is the case. And we rejoice as the one that found the coin that was lost or the sheep that had gone astray or the son that had come home. God, we thank you that you are the God who brings us back. And so tonight, I just pray you'd help us search our hearts, Lord, by the Holy Spirit's power. Would you search and just examine each of us, Lord, and then help us to do like what Paul said here in this text, that every man ought to examine himself. And so observe, I pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing tonight, page 274, Lord, I'm coming home. If you're coming tonight for baptism, I would imagine some have already responded. But go ahead and make your way, and we're going to have an invitation song. And uh, then if you'd like to come and just spend some time with the Lord, let's just take the time that God wants us to, to make sure our hearts are clear uh, to honor Him. So as Brother Aaron leads us, would you come, page 274.